This Choircast podcast is brought to you by the book Too Much and Not Enough, Sacred Thoughts Said Out Loud by Karen Schock. This book is for anyone who has big questions about God and is feeling like a misfit among the people who seem to have it all figured out. Journey with me as we dive into the hard stuff and ask the questions no one else seems to want to ask. We will laugh and cry together. You will shake your head along with me as you read the real stories of anxiety and depression, parenting and marriage, and just plain living this life in the messy middle. I don't have all the answers, but my hope in writing this book is that you, the reader, will feel seen. There is a God who is big enough to handle all of our questions and more loving than we can ever imagine. Let's lean into this life together as we learn how to love and be loved in Too Much and Not Enough, available now on Amazon. They're all around us and they all have a story to tell. Each of us can learn something from someone else if we just stop and listen to their story. Hi, I'm Leslie Neese. I want to welcome you to Honoring the Journey podcast. My friend Karen Schock and I co-host, and we decided this would be a great place to share stories of people from different faiths, cultures, lifestyles, backgrounds, all in an effort to understand a different perspective without religious baggage. No more fear, no more judgment. Have you ever just wanted to understand someone's perspective better? Well, this is your chance. We hope today's journey is going to inspire you, soften your heart a bit, and maybe even knock down some walls that you may have built up without even realizing it. Let's honor someone's journey today. Welcome back to Honoring the Journey. My name is Leslie Neese. I'm here with my friend Karen Schock and Liz Petters. And uh, Liz is a super wonderful, I have loved getting to know her online. I, I know most of the people that I know, I feel like in, at this time in my life, I know them online. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've enjoyed following her, listening to her. I'm kind of binging her podcast, Deconstructing Mamas. Maybe you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had her co-host Esther on right here on Honoring the Journey. And today we get to honor Liz's journey. And I can't wait to hear more about it. Liz, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we are excited too. So we we kind of like to, well, for one thing, I want to mention something because I didn't know this. Um, you actually read and recommended Karen's book, didn't you? <laughs> yes. That is so yeah. fun. She sure well, did. And I was so thankful. I am so thankful. Uh, I... Actually, Liz, I don't know if you know this, but the first time I uh, heard of you was on your dad's podcast when you were interviewed on that. What back in twenty? I don't know even. Yeah, that was it? many years ago. I don't it even is. know what that was. Yeah, I was. I was listening to your dad's podcast. Your dad uh, helped me when I was just starting to deconstruct so much, his book, the sin of certainty mm-hmm. was just mm-hmm. invaluable to me. And then I was listening and as a fellow anxiety person, journeyer and hearing your story of anxiety and, and what hopefully you'll share a little bit of that with us today, but I just kind of fell in love with you. So <laughs> I, I was, when you said yes to endorsing my book, I was so thankful. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, I, I do. Um, I love to like read people's work. I mean, I'm like, I, you know, I'm 
a writer's writer. I just like love words and I love other people's words and I love hearing other people's stories and hearing other people's experiences. So I'm always, um, I'm always happy to do it. That's so sweet. Well, and just in case you're, you're listening and you don't know, uh, Pete ends is her father. So, and I, he's an amazing writer. If you're new to the deconstructing world and you haven't heard of him, Oh, by all means, please go get some of these books because they are really life-changing. Um, he's got a bunch of them about how to interpret and read the Bible. Uh, you know, the Bible for the Bible tells me so rock star book. Loved it. It was so, so good. Mm-hmm. Really helpful. So, so what's it like having a, a rock star dad like that, Liz? <laughs> I mean, he's really just, he's just, just bad to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just bad to me. It's its definitely interesting being sort of like in the same sort of niche as my dad, you know? I mean, I'm yeah. passionate about similar things to him. Um, and my brother and my sister have like kind of gone other directions and things that they're passionate about. But this is just, I'm really passionate about changing Christianity for the better, I think, or changing it back to what it once was. I don't, you know, whatever we're doing here and um, reading the Bible differently and what it looks like to really follow Jesus and kind of the world that we live today. And um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of an interesting journey. I think I found my niche a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that's great. Yeah. It's funny because I, when I was on Survivor so many years ago for about five minutes, you know, people knew who I was. And so when people would talk to my kids, they'd be like, oh my gosh, your mom is on Survivor. Is that the coolest thing ever? And they're like, ew, no, she's just mom. (laughs) So when you said, hey, he's just dad to me, I was like, yep, yep. That's fun. Uh, But anyway, so your, your deconstruction journey, I would love to know a little bit more about like where that started. I know I feel like we should probably deconstruct the rest of our lives. You know what I mean? But I also feel like if we don't reconstruct at some point, we can get kind of lost a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, but what does that look like for you? And when you reconstruct, that doesn't mean you go back to what you believed or it just means you build something that feels more like you, like what you believe is true. So what did that look like for you, Liz? Yeah. Deconstruction is so, is so largely a buzzword. Like, you know what I mean? Like we all, I, I think hate it. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, if I use the word deconstructing, then the people who are on this weird journey that they don't know what to call it, like they, they know what that means. Right. So right, I right. use deconstructing to describe sort of like everything about my faith journey. But I think you're right when you said like, you do have to, at some point start to reconstruct, you know, like the deconstructing is sort of the beginning piece. And then there's like all these other things that happen along the way. But, um, I like recently stumbled across some journals of mine and I was still like, pretty heavily in evangelical thinking when I had my first daughter and she's six. So not so long ago, but I was reading one of my journals and just some of the stuff that I was thinking, some of my like sort of ritualistic thinking and sort of like scrupulosity, you know, of like, okay, well, I need to do this to make sure that she's this and everybody's this and we're all this. And we need to, I mean, it was like kind of wild to me because I think I always (laughs) thought that I started deconstructing like way before then. Um, And I think I did, but like that overarching theme of towing the line and like making sure that I get up early and do my devotions and God has to be first or everything else is going to kind of fall apart. And like, just that way of thinking that's really exhausting. I was still doing that as a new mom, which made me so sad. But I think that like way back to when I was a little, little kid, I think that things did not add up for me. 
Like mm-hmm. I, I just, I came out being the kind of person who like, you really got to convince me of something. And I just think that I wasn't really buying it. Like a lot of mm-hmm. Bible stories just didn't make sense to me. I mean, my dad will talk about me, like asking him one day, why did God drown the Egyptians? Right. Like, weren't they his people too? Like, why did he pick, you know, like just questions like that, that kids have that don't add up. Um, and so I think it was happening for me at a really young age. I don't know that I ever really like bought into what I was being taught about who God is and what it looks like to follow God and what it means to be sort of like safe with God. Like I think, um, and I think that led to some of my anxiety because I was being told that I was safe and I was being told all these things, but they didn't really feel like they actually were true. And so that was really anxiety provoking for me. Oh my goodness. I, I relate so much to that. And I know Karen does. We've, we've talked at great lengths about the anxiety and the fears that we both, and I guess now all three struggled through. And, and the, it's funny that you say, I think I was deconstructing much earlier. I think if you really ask, I would say most people who are going through this, there was always something with me too, that I was like, I I remember when I would be, I was a speaker and I was like speaking because I didn't want people to go to hell, but I didn't want to talk about hell because it didn't make sense to me. My mentor would say, you should you know, make sure you mention hell. And, and I'm like, I really just don't want to, you know, be negative. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> but if that's the gospel, you have to include it. And so I would always, if, when I would talk about hell, I'd be like, I really don't want to talk about this part, but you know, this is what the Bible says, you know, and I would have to share that. And I can tell you if somebody would have said, if, if I even thought there was an iota of an option, for right. me to not have to believe in it, I would have hooked onto that in a heartbeat. I had no idea. Yeah. And I had no idea because that when you question, they answer it by giving you somebody who is pro-hell. And, you know, these scriptures mean this. And so it, it was like this circular reasoning and you can't get out of it, but it's terrifying. Yeah, you're right. You, so, really, you don't think there's another option. Like that is what no. it, like, it doesn't feel like there's another option. And that, I think that is what keeps so many of us in it for so long, because we feel like this is it. We have to figure out how to believe this and how to latch onto this, because this is all we've got. You either believe in hell or you're going to hell. Right. Right. Those are your two options. So I guess I believe in it because I certainly don't want to go to it, even though I don't know if I believe in it, but I'll say I believe in it. What a mess. Yeah. And and for you to kind of sense that as a young child, do you think... Um, maybe your questioning may have helped your dad start seeking, like when, how did that all come about? Yeah. I mean, my dad was a questioner long before I realized he was a questioner. I like, um, got a hold of some of his journals from like the eighties. I mean, not got a hold of like, he handed them to me Yeah, Um, Yeah, yeah, and (laughs) was reading through them. And I was like, oh man, like this guy had some questions like early on, like he wasn't really fully buying into it either, but you know, you just sort of get lost in the shuffle, I think. But I do think that we largely deconstructed kind of side by side a little bit. I think seeing my dad deconstruct some of his beliefs helped me feel safe to deconstruct my own. So I am like very thankful that I had, I've had like that kind of faith experience. And then as I had sort of bigger questions and bigger doubts, um, 
it was always a really safe place to like go to my dad and say like this is so screwed up why did we ever believe this or like what did this actually look like how does this transition translation like actually look coming from like ancient texts or you know whatever and so it's I mean that I'm so thankful for that that's like not everybody's journey and not everyone's story and so I'm thankful for that for sure um but you know I grew up in like a largely conservative evangelical church. So I still got all of like the shitty indoctrination stuff, you know, even though my dad is who he is and sort of became who he became. Like I still have all of that crap for my past. Oh yeah. I mean, it doesn't negate any of that. And, you know, just because he has a voice and he's not afraid to use it and he has some wisdom, he doesn't have all the answers. And it's, I think I, I do want to revisit, man. It is so, you are very, very lucky to have just somebody to walk this path with. Cause I think there are so many people who start this journey and they have absolutely nobody and they're scared. And they, you know, when you, I mean, it took me seven years to admit that I was even having, I mean, I think people knew if you follow me on social media, you knew something was going on. Cause I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why are we, 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 I was talking about the church and now all of a sudden I'm like you, and I have removed myself from that particular indoctrination or the evangelical American white Christian kind of culture. When you did that, was it, was this recent or what, how, how did that look? Yeah, I think my real significant kind of coming out happened um, probably like surrounding COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, I was around that time that Esther and I started talking about doing the podcast. It was around, um, that time where I was just sort of like, just sick of it all. And I just felt like, didn't really feel like I was completely hiding. People in my church really knew where I stood, I think for the most part. Um, but I just became like much more vocal on social media for mostly that's kind of where it ended up coming out. And then I, I lost some like significant friendships and um, it was a really so hard, really hard time in my life. I'm a mom of young kids and like you really rely on those friendships to get you through, you know, when you're staying home with your kids. And I, um, I lost a very significant relationship in my life because of some of my beliefs and sort of stepping away from like traditional conservative ideas, even though I'd already been sort of away from them, just the becoming vocal, she felt like she couldn't stand by me anymore because I was yeah. being so vocal about it. So it was really painful for me. Um, very, very painful for me, but wow, it feels like it was forever ago. It really was not that long ago. But it, was, it was, it was significant for me. I felt like I all of a sudden had like this sort of freedom to be who I had been all of this time and to be vocal about what I believed. And so, you know, it was kind of that bitter, bittersweet type of, yeah. you know, where it's, you know, it's the place where you need to be, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of loss. Involved. You give up a lot to get there. Yeah. I, I feel like, um, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. Um, Heather, is it ha Hamilton? Is that her last name? Okay. She, she wrote a book called returning to Eden. Have you, have you read this Liz? No, I feel like I heard girl, of it. Girl, read that book. We're going to have her on soon too, but she talks about how when you finally get to like, you realize who your, your true self is and you have to give up the false self. Um, 
the reason it's so painful is because in that moment, when you, when you do, you say, okay, I'm, I'm done pretending for everyone else. I need to live my life for me. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like what you're doing is, I mean, people just don't get you anymore. They, they want you to perform for them. They want you to be that, what makes them comfortable. And for once you're finally stepping into, this is who I truly am. And it is life-changing. And, and it's really hard to get there. But once you get there, it's kind of like, you think it's going to be so awful. I, this is how I look at it. It's like, you're going to a cliff, right? And you're like, I have to jump off this cliff. And you don't know how deep it is because it's really dark. And then you jump and it's like one inch. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, that's real because it felt like I was going to fall forever and it was going to be awful and terrible. But then once I started talking, I was like, oh, wait a minute. I am so much more grounded now because I'm coming from who I really am and not who I was trying to be for to make everyone else comfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, Liz, yeah. can I ask you a question? When you said you had a friend and it was bittersweet, do you do you feel like... I may or may not have some of that happening or have has happened, but do you feel like you, did you initiate like, Hey, this isn't good. Or did it come like you got vocal mm-hmm. and then, and then it came, do you know what I mean? Like, which yeah. you tell me like kind of. Yeah. Which- yeah. So, um, I became more and more vocal on social media and I felt her like kind of pulling away from me. Like, you know, like she wasn't texting me. Like we weren't hanging out as much. She sort of had all these excuses. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's something going on. Like she has something that she's thinking, but isn't saying to me. And then one day she sent me this long, like sort of breakup text basically of like, I just no longer feel like we're aligned in our beliefs. I don't support you being an ally of the LGBTQ community, just sort of on and on and on. I no longer feel like we can spend significant time together. Um, And so that's like kind of where the break really happened. And it was so, I mean, I remember getting the text. I cried, I mean, I cried for days. This was a friend who like, I mean, you know, I just, it was so devastating to me. I think looking back now, there was a lack of like, there was obviously a lack of like real authenticity in that relationship. You know, I have a, I have a a decent amount of evangelical friends, you know what I mean? That I'm still close to. So it's not like, it's not like you just, you, you deconstruct and then everybody's gone, right? Like it's based on personality, right? And people who are willing to go with you to those places, regardless of what, their own belief systems are, but this person wasn't willing to do that or wasn't able to do that or whatever. And so looking back, I think it was, um, the best thing for both of us for that to end, but it was like, it was so, so painful. And so I don't know, would I have initiated it down the road? Like, would I have done my own pulling away? Cause I felt like I couldn't be authentic in that relationship. Maybe, you know, but she Mm -hmm. she first, so I don't know. Okay. That's such a great point. And, and I do, I see this all the time with people who are deconstructing, especially with clients They're They just, they're like so afraid to talk about where they're at because of the fact that people are going to leave them. And, and one of the things that I've had to come to the realization for my own life is if they're going to leave me, they never really loved me for me. They loved me for what I believed. Yes. And, and, um, and it's okay to let go of a relationship that is built on something that isn't who I am anymore. That's okay. That's healthy for me, but man, was it hard to get to that. 
so hard. And I'm so sorry you went through that. That really breaks my heart for you, especially being a young mom and having young kids. And um, But here's one thing I, I, I know you probably have some incredible wisdom for young moms who are going through deconstruction. Um, maybe just even some life experiences that have taught you, like how do you parent differently now with your young kids? Yeah. When I started deconstructing, my kids were so young that I still, we weren't doing like a lot of bible things with them because they were just like little. So we had some storybook Bibles and like we had some little things like that, but they still weren't going to Sunday school. They were like in the nursery. So it was a little bit of a different thing where I didn't feel like I had to backtrack with them. Sometimes we feel like we have to backtrack with our kids or repair or, you know, like whatever. Right. I feel like I had to do that with them. But for me, it was more just, okay, this wasn't how I was parented in this sort of more conservative biblical bubble. I don't want to parent my kids in that. Well, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I don't know what the alternative is, you know? Um, and so, I mean, that's largely where our podcast was born out of, because I was like, all right, I need some friends. Like we need to figure this out. It sounds like none of us know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the main way that I've been trying to parent my kids, um, and I wrote about this a little bit in a, a book that I contributed to called Deconstructing Hell was just like, how, like, how can I parent my kids the way that like I think that God sort of relates to me and that's kind of come back to like this whole gentle parenting thing that we're everywhere right like yeah God is all loving and God is who I think he is then like that's also what my kids are going to need from me right those same things that I need from God and so that's sort of how I try to parent parent my kids I mean I don't really do it perfectly obviously because I'm human and parenting is rough and kids can be rough. Um, but you know, I really try to hear them and listen to them and validate their feelings and like give them space to be imperfect. Um, and just like everything that I feel like I need on it, like a spiritual level. And so, um, that's kind of what I started doing. I didn't really know what to do spiritually, but I was like, all right, like if I can just get this, these sort of like developmental things going for them, then the rest will follow. And I just kind of clung to that. And I have seen, I mean, I largely like leave my kids spiritual life sort of on the back burner of the things I do with them day to day. And like, my daughter is incredibly interested in God and Jesus. She just is like, and we allow space for that, but she came there on her own, like in her own way when it was developmentally appropriate for her. And she asks questions that are like on track for, you know, the things that she should be wondering about at six and those types of things. And that's been um, really helpful. But I think in the beginning, I did, I did sort of try to force it a little bit. I had the storybook Bibles out and I felt like they needed to know the stories. And then there was one day where I was sitting on the floor in my, in my daughter's room and I was like, had sticky notes out and I was like crossing things out in the storybook Bible. And and then I was finally just like, you know what, if I have to like adapt the storybook Bible to be like developmentally appropriate for my three-year-old, then like, we just need to put these in the closet and leave it be. And so that's what we've done. Yeah. It's definitely been like a totally different experience than from when I was a kid. I mean, we don't even go to church anymore. So it's a totally different experience for my kids than I had. Yeah. I, isn't it fun? I don't know. I don't, I don't go to church anymore either. And at first it was like, I felt so bad about every little thing, you know, um, I don't feel bad anymore. That is family day. I mean, like we have reclaimed 
Sunday. It's yeah. not work anymore. I mean, and it's yeah. so sad to say that it felt like work, but it kind of did. It's if I don't show up, them. what kind of a Christian am I? If I don't show up, I need to support my, my church family. I need to do all this. And, you know, and I remember teaching my kids at least act like you want to be there. I remember saying to my son once, you, you know, you really need to at least act like you want to be here. And then I got in the car and it was like, ugh, gross. So I took him out to lunch afterwards and apologized. I said, you know what? I don't want you to act. The thing I love about you is that you don't. So mm -hmm. thank you for being who you are. And I apologize for, for putting that on you. That and was I think one of that the things I did with our kids for sure. Yeah. I would walk, uh, before we get out of the car every, every Sunday, Wednesday, mm -hmm. Sunday night, best behavior, best <laughs> behavior you are, rep you know, like, and so now they all, they all say that when, you know, oh my gosh. Playing, probably your age, Liz, and they're like, best behavior, mom. I'm like, yes, best behavior. <laughs> well, it's interesting, like the sacrifices that we think we have to make for God. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like yes. we think we have to like kill ourselves on a Sunday morning to get out of the house with all of our kids because like, that's what God needs us to do. And like, I had this realization when my son was first born, I'm in the back of the church trying to breastfeed my kid. My yep. two-year-old is running around crazy. I think my husband was working and I'm like, why am I here? Why am I mm. doing this? This doesn't make any sense. I'm going home and having a panic attack and I'm shutting down for the rest of the day because I can't handle it. And I think that this is what God wants for me as yep. opposed to like a slow Sunday morning with my two kids where I'm able to nourish my own body and my own soul. Like it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Mm, and that's so I would true. I at home with Kevin those first few years when we stopped going. And this wasn't that long ago. Um, but I, I would sit there and we'd sit out in the Florida room and have coffee and he'd be like, why do you, like, why are you so upset? Because he was so good with it, which is so cool. We've been on this journey together. We were both leaders in the church and we've just been on this journey together. But he was just like, what, what is it? Who are you worried about? He's mm -hmm. like, is it, is it actually God? And I'm like, no, it's not God. Of course it's not God. <laughs> it's the people there. What are they going to say about the fact that I won't go to church? Like, what have I been doing? Who have I been doing this for all of these years? You know, I don't know. Sundays are beautiful now. Yeah, they really are. I feel like we've reclaimed them a little bit and we have these sort of like nice slow days that like usher us into the new week instead of feeling like Sundays are this day of like extra stress where you go into Monday already feeling stressed because you had church and then you had a luncheon and then you had small group and everyone's dysregulated and nobody got a nap. And like, it just, yeah, it's totally different now. Yeah. And I was having panic attacks at church and the night before. So did they ever say anything, Karen? Sure. I mean, people have said things along the way, you know, mm -hmm. just little, little comments here and there, but my Sundays are beautiful, you know, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't change it. And when I finally, I mean, and it took a long time for me to get to the place to say, I don't feel bad for not going on Sundays. And when I finally did, like, then I was freed up to be like, oh, you want to go? But if I would have went in that time period of the feeling guilty, I just would have been having panic attacks while I was there because I was having panic attacks in the sanctuary and for all the different reasons with my anxiety. But one thing too, I want to say, being an, uh, a parent of adult children, 
my children are still, our adult children are all still in church. Three of them live in Fort Wayne and the one that has four children lives two and a half hours away and her husband's an elder and they're still very involved in church and in all kinds of other things in their in their town. And if Kevin and I were involved in our church here in Fort Wayne right now, I'm telling you, we would never see those grandkids. We would oh, never, wow. we would never see our grandkids because they can't get out of church on Sunday because he's an elder and she sings and, and then they're busy during the week and my husband works. We would never see them. And, and wow. I've tried to explain that to, to them when, you know, if they are coming at me a little bit, maybe about the church thing, I get it. But if I'm doing the nursery or if I'm leading a women, whatever, Sunday school, I'm not going to see you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's kind of a beautiful thing to be an older, an older adult and be like, you know what? I'm kind of freed up to be able to yes. come see you on the weekends. You know, it's a whole new, like, it's a whole new life. It's incredible. And it's once you let go of the guilt, because <laughs> yeah. that took a while, but once you let go of that, it's, it's great. But so Liz, this all brings me to another question because, um, you know, both Karen and I deconstructed and our husbands were right there with us. What, what about your husband? Have you guys been on the same page? Yeah. I mean, so this is actually really funny. When I married my husband, one of my biggest fears was that he wasn't Christian enough. Ah, <laughs> you know, Karen. Too. 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 Like one of my biggest hesitations in marrying him. I felt yeah. like he didn't do like devotionals and he wasn't like the spiritual head of the household. And there was these things that I was concerned about. Um, but he had all these other qualities that I like loved. Like I felt like he, he had all these Christ-like qualities, let's say, right. But this, he, but he wasn't like on the surface spiritual enough. And, um, I kind of like got myself through all that and like, we got married and, um, now I'm like, oh my gosh, thank God. Like, thank God that he wasn't like the spiritual head of the household. Cause now that just makes me want to gag to even like think about that. But your um, worst fear came true, Liz. Our yes, worst yes. fears came true. My worst fear came true. And it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Mine yes. too. I, I finally decided when we, when I started to deconstruct, I was like, oh, we're a team. I don't have to nag you anymore. I don't have to tell you to get up and have a Bible, a quiet time every morning. Yeah. I mean, I like, I always have just, I mean, Eric's always been supportive of just like whatever I do and whatever direction I go. And I'm very type A and I'm very, I just sort of take charge and Eric's not like that. And so our relationship has never been quote, you know, biblical. Um, And I'm very thankful for that, but it's just funny to look back and think like, I was so nervous that our relationship was going to crumble because Eric wasn't spiritual enough. But all of the things that he has been able to give me, like emotional safety, right? And like autonomy and all of these other things that I, no one ever told me was important in a relationship. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I'm someone who's spiritual and that's what you need, right? Like I didn't, um, so I, like I took a chance and, and, um, and now I know that like, as humans, there is more to, uh, to marriage than equal yoking. Yep. (laughs) Amen. That will preach right there. Yeah, well, and it's it's interesting that all three of us have husbands like that that didn't yeah. quite pass the test, but eh, there's some good stuff, you know. And now I'm like, oh, thank God. And he to this day will say to me, if you wake up tomorrow and say you want to go back to church, I'll support you. Yeah, we'll go. 
he goes, but I don't want to go, but I'll, I'll go if you want, you know, whatever yeah. you want. You're the only, he's just, this isn't a big thing for him. He mm-hmm. tried to like fit the square peg in the round hole. It didn't work for him. And uh, so he saw this stuff way before I did. And it's funny. He never told me. And so as I'm coming to all these like huge realizations, I'll be like, can you believe that? And he's like, well, I mean, I kind of, I saw that a while ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how do you not share things with me that you, and he goes, because you wouldn't have listened. Mm. He's so wise. Like, I'm like, I think everybody just needs, just listen to me and then you'll, you'll be fine. You know, you'll understand. And he's like, no, you had to figure it out for yourself. So right. yeah, it sounds like we have very similar husbands, ladies. Yes, we do. Yay for the heretic husbands. No, (laughs) just kidding. So um, we need to take a quick break. But when we get back, Liz, I really would love for you to speak um, into maybe the lives of some people who might be struggling through anxiety and depression. It's a tough one. It's a big one. And I think a lot of people in deconstruction are dealing with this. And I know you're so open and so precious about how you share I would love for you to share more about that in a couple of seconds, if you don't mind. Okay, we're back. And Liz, um, I, I mentioned before the break that I really wanted you to kind of expand a little bit on your struggles through um, anxiety and depression and just those kinds of things that you've been dealing with. Probably, you've probably been dealing with this most of your life. Most of us have. Can you maybe give us some insight into what it's like and how, how you deal with it today versus how you dealt with it before? Hmm. Yeah, it's a hard one. I mean, mental health stuff is just hard. And I, I think I wish that I could like sit here and say, since I deconstructed, like now my mental health is great because, you know, I've moved on from all the toxic stuff, but unfortunately like mental health is very layered and there's chemical pieces and there's generational trauma. At least I believe that there is. And there's the way that we were brought up. And then, and then some of us have like the faith stuff and the indoctrination on top of it. And so it's really been kind of like a snowball for me. And um, I think the biggest thing that I'm learning is that um, like self-care and grace for myself is just the biggest thing. And for so long, I mean, I've really had anxiety since I was you know, seven or eight years old. That's kind of when I remember first having my first panic attack and anxiety really being a part of my life. And um, the main message was just like, trust God. Yep. Just trust God. Just pray through it. Trust God. Like this all happens for a reason, like all of that kind of stuff. Um, And there wasn't really, I mean, and, and true, like this was in the nineties too. I mean, things were a little bit different than, you know, like mental health wise, but there just wasn't really a lot of emphasis on like, like, how do you actually navigate this? (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? It was sort of like, just pray your way through it or, you know, or surround yourself with the right people or do the right things. Um, And so I largely just struggled through without, the help that I really needed for, for a very, very long time. Wow. Well, and I think being in the church, I don't know about, I mean, I, I'm sure both of you, cause I have dealt with anxiety and depression actually so much more so when I was in the church, because a lot of it was because of all the fear that I had, you know, um, I was never on any anxiety or depression medicine until I was like deep in ministry. And, um, I found myself like having to cope with all of that. Like it was so heavy and, and there's nothing 
uh, you don't talk about it. I never talked about it at all with anyone because I didn't want anybody to know that I was struggling because that meant I didn't have enough faith. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the church has really dropped the ball in the mental health sort of area. And that that's probably a lot of why you struggled through it, you know, sort of just kind of, I don't know, bore your things and tried to get through it yourself. Um, but now that you've, I feel like you've really crossed, uh, you've crossed over into something. Uh, maybe it's a self-awareness, Liz. I don't know, but I, I sense that you are in, in a, it's not that your anxiety is better. I feel like you are just a lot more in tune with what you need in this. So what does that look like now? Yeah, I really just started to own it for myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't really know exactly when that happened. And, but I, I think I just sort of realized like, okay, this is like who I am yeah. for better, for worse. Right. And I have better times and I have harder times. Um, in the last like couple of years, I, um, got a, like an OCD diagnosis, which was also really huge for me. Yep. Um, because I was like, why is my brain nuts? And then I read a book about like what actually happens to your brain when you have OCD and the chemicals are a mess and all. And, and that was like very helpful for me to sort of mm. like normalize some of the things that I was feeling. So that was definitely like a huge turning point, but I just, I don't know. I just started to realize like, okay, like this is who I am. I can sort of like fight it and shame myself through it. Or I can learn like, how do I have, like, how do I need to kind of craft my life so that yes. I can like survive. Yeah. Um, and that has been, you know, very helpful for me. Um, and right now my life looks pretty small. I mean, I, I'm still in a space where I say no to like a lot of just sort of like extra going out with friends things or like, you know, I do some of that, but not a ton of it because I know that it's just going to fry my nervous system, mm -hmm. um, which I don't love. Like I want to be able to be involved in everything. I've always been that kind of person. So it's really hard for me to like step back and say, okay, no, like I need to own who I am and what I'm going through and the kind of like support that I need. It's just the more you spend time with yourself, like the more you know yourself and the better then you're able to give yourself what you need, but it's, I feel like it's never easy. No, I mean, definitely not easy. I think one of the things though, that I've noticed now I'm not ashamed of it. Like, I think I was ashamed before. There's a lot of shame yeah. involved in who I was in, in those spaces. And now I'm like, oh no, I am not ashamed because anxiety isn't like who I am. Um, it is an experience that I have and I sometimes get through it a lot easier and better than, and, you know, than other times and other times I can, I can barely move, you know, and I'm just at this point, I think the self-awareness and the ability to lift that shame off of my back because it's already heavy enough to be an anxious person has really freed me personally, but, yeah. um, you know, it's so hard and, and juggling all that, being a young mom, having this podcast, you know, wanting to, you know, help people. I can tell you have such a heart for helping other people get through, um, whether it be deconstruction or any kind of, you know, spiritual journey that they're going through. Um, I just appreciate, I, I want you to know that when I see you post and I see you being raw and being real it makes me love you even more because it's brave 
you're being brave and you're, and you don't know how many people need to see that. One of the things we're taught in, I believe, evangelicalism is to wear the mask and to play the role and to make God look good. And um, in doing so, we completely, it's just our false self. It's not who we truly are. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that who I follow on Instagram is you. You are 100% you. And I just, I applaud you for that. That's hard to do um, as a young person. And when you, when I say young, you're like, I don't feel young, you know, I'm, I'm a mom. <laughs> but for me, babe, you're young, you're like my kid's age. So, uh, and for you to come to that already, it encourages me for, you know, what's ahead for you. I think that there's like sky's the limit because it's all about just being fully aware of who you really are and, and being comfortable in your skin. So yeah. Thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. It definitely, um, it's definitely a hard journey to be vulnerable, but I feel like it's been very healing to me. I think what you said is true. It's like, I've put it all out there. So like, I don't know if you don't like it, then you don't like it. Like it's out there. Like I'm not hiding anything anymore, you know? And so there's something so freeing about that, even though people can get mean and, you know, whatever. Um, I know that like, who I am is who I am and I don't have to hide anything anymore. And so that I think um, has actually been really helpful for me in my journey, yeah. like feeling like, whoo, I can breathe. And I mean, not that I don't still mask. I think sometimes I do, like sometimes someone we will, all do. Yeah. you know, how I am. And I, I, I say, oh, no, I'm, I'm doing okay. And then I think about it later and I'm like, actually, like <laughs> not fine at all. Um but the more I lean into just like the truth of what it is for me, you know, especially with those people who are safe. Like I have one of my really good friends. Um, we actually just went out to coffee for the first time, like last week, because for months I could not like do, I was having like such bad agoraphobia. Like I couldn't go to coffee shops and do things like that. And I had told her that. And so like, she would just come to my house. She would just like bring coffee and just like show up at my house. She's like my best. I mean, just like a dear, dear friend to me. And, um, and so we did that for like months. And then last week I was like, I miss you so much. Like, you know, let's do something. And she was like, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay? Like, do you want to go to your house? And I was like, no, I think I'm ready. Like, let's do it. And so we went, (laughs) and, um, and you know, so it's like, it doesn't have to be everybody. Like not everyone has to be vulnerable with the world. Like you can just Mm-mm. pick the people, right. Who are like safe yeah. for you and be vulnerable with them and show them who you really are. And I mean, my therapist always says that like authenticity is like the most healing, like relationship mm. authenticity are like the most healing things. And that so it's so true. Um, I love that one, right. One authentic relationship where you can literally be fully yourself. Um, then there's so much like healing in Mm. that relationship. Yeah. I love that. And it is so true. I think, yeah, the, the message here isn't go on Instagram and tell everybody where you're at, you know, the message is wherever you are, you know, just be yourself that it's so hard. I, we are just taught to be what everybody expects us to be uh, just from such a young age. And letting go of that expectation and just being able to kind of step into who you really are is, whew, man, it's just so life, life-giving life for me anyway. I had a pastor's wife one time who was counseling me 
because I wasn't allowed to go outside of the church for counseling with this particular church plant that we were a part of, but the pastor's wife could, she could talk to me about it. And one of the things that she said to me was, you know, your kids really need to see you winning with this anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's not good for your kids. Your kids can know you have anxiety, but they really need to see you having victory over this. And it crushed me because at that, you know, like, okay, so now the pressure's on me. Now do I need to pretend for my kids? Because mm-hmm. am I going to ruin them if they don't see me having victory over this? Which then just perpetuated the the shame and the mm. depression and then the anxiety because do you think I wanted to talk to her about it again 100% not and now we know why because that's not correct counseling so mm-hmm. yeah it's cool that you have a friend that can understand and it's cool that you have a counselor I think I think most people need a counselor and probably not from inside of their own church mm-hmm. um someone from the outside and probably someone that's not just going to tell you take it to God and pray to God or let's pray the demons out but actually like this is the way the brain works right this is what OCD is and this my counselor who loves Jesus and is precious we go over this OCD thing almost every time I meet with her Mm -hmm. she's like your brain is in a spiral you know and she'll tell give me yeah Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think that like, for me, it was very healing to not have a faith-based therapist at all. Right. Um, But I think that it's, it's really like, as long as like the person that you're working with is like leading your own understanding of the brain, like that is so, I mean, it's so helpful. It sort of takes away like the shame that you've somehow caused this for yourself when you understand Mm -hmm. how your brain works and the reasons why like you might be going through this. But I just, I think it's so horrible, Karen, that your, that your therapist said that about your kids. I, you know, because it's so easy as moms to feel like we're failing our kids. Like, I mean, just, you know what I mean? Like you serve McDonald's one day and and you feel like you've just ruined their lives. I mean, I get like, (laughs) I get like, so like that about everything. Like, you know, um, but really and truly, like when my therapist said that thing to be about authenticity and she was, and when she said it to me, she was talking about like the parent and child relationship actually specifically and That's how so as children, we all, we need to see our parents being like authentic human beings. And we need to be able to see them going through the human experience, just like we are as kids. And, you know, my kids have their things that they're going through. And so like, is it like, why wouldn't it be important for them to see that I also go through things, you know? And like, you're not always victorious. And you're not. Sometimes you're not. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> it, sometimes you just have to ride the wave. Like, right. you know, and I want them as hard as it is, I think, to humble ourselves as moms and say, all right, we're going to just like let our kids see us be a total freaking mess. And as hard as it is for me to have those days where like my husband gets home and I get in bed and I'm like, oh my gosh, is my kid going to just, is all they're going to remember about their childhood that I, even though I spent like eight hours with them, is all they're going to remember is like daddy came home and mommy had to go to bed because she had such bad anxiety. But like, they're going to then feel that freedom themselves to say, you know what? This day was too much for me. Like now I'm out. I'll see you yeah. in two hours. I need to re-regulate. Like, um, 
Just to, be, just to let you know, my oldest daughter, I asked her because when she was probably five was when I had my first bout of anxiety back in the 1900s when nobody knew what it was. And I'm on the couch at my mom's because I had a one-year-old and then Alyssa was five, I think, four or five. So my mom's watching them while I'm laying on her couch thinking I'm dying because it's health anxiety. And I still have it today, still dealing with it today. Um, but I'm on the couch. So I asked her, you know, a few years ago, I was like, did I ruin you guys? Like, was that horrible? Do you remember me? Like thinking I'm dying on the couch. Like, she's like, you know what I remember about that? Grandma Punky gave us great pop and we played cards and we spent the night with grandpa. And it was that I was having the time of my life. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I guess <laughs> we did it. And, you know, and, and not that my kids haven't struggled, especially my daughters with anxiety and depression at times, but they also know they can come to me for it. Hmm. So. It's this, it's the human experience. Like it's not always sunshine and rainbows. And I think mm -hmm. when our kids can see that and not have these unrealistic expectations that God's just going to like wipe it all away for you if you do all the right things, um, I think that we, we have a much better chance of raising healthy adults um, if we're honest about these struggles instead of just trying to pray them away. Um, Those weren't the things I had to apologize for. Me being uh, anxious and having anxiety and depression no, but me teaching them that anytime they saw anything that had to do with Halloween on TV, they were opening up a portal to Satan, you know, or that my anxiety may have come from a portal that I opened when I was in high school and watched Freddy Krueger, like those kind of things or spanking or, you know, the hell, like those are the things that I actually need to, and I have apologized to them for, but me having anxiety not one of them, you yeah. know? Hmm. Yeah. Well, and as a, as an older mom, I can say like, I've, I've tried to apologize to my kids for all those things too. And they're like, mom, you, you just, you always loved us. Like the, you, you did it because you loved us. And that's what we remember. We don't really remember the weird things that you would say. <laughs> well, my kids have kind of said that to me too. Like it's, it's yeah. not that deep. And I'm like, okay, but I'm trying to apologize. It's not that deep. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, the one daughter, the one day she was like, you just gave us so much sugar. And I'm like, oh, it's not about hell. And it's about the amount of sugar I gave them, you know, yeah, a pop yeah. in a bottle or something. I don't know. Funny. So Liz, let's dream a little bit. I love dreaming about the future. What do you see? Um, where's Liz in five years? Do you have any any goals or anything you want to do? Okay, so once the kids are both in school all day, like what mm -hmm. is your day going to look like? Let's dream a little because it's coming, I promise. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, you know, just along this podcast journey, like I've had some opportunities to, you know, go different places and speak different places and haven't done any of those things because it's just felt too overwhelming for me. Um, and so I would like to think that in the next five years, as you know, as I've done like some real significant work on my anxiety and just sort of like working to, I mean, it's never going to be healed, but just like working to re-regulate myself a little bit. Like I've just been working really hard on that, that there's going to be more space for some of those things that I love. Like there's going to be space for me to, to be traveling, um, a life that 
is a little bit bigger than I think my world feels right now. And um, a little bit where I don't have to think about healing as much, if that makes sense. Like, I just Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of my life feels right now, at least to be perfectly honest, just feels like it's just, it's about healing, right? I take the everyday Epsom salt bath because I need to, you know, it's like all of these things that I'm sort of doing to re-regulate and heal myself and they're necessary and, and like, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm like looking forward to a life where I have to think about that less, where I just sort of like am able to kind of live without yeah. some of that, if that makes sense. Um, that's kind of where I am with that. And then, um, but from like a more professional standpoint, like I would love to um, do more writing. I feel like recently I just am involved in this children's project that I think will probably be announced soon. And it's gotten me thinking about like how I really want to be able to write more children's books and like just, you know what I mean? Like just um, just some of those like more creative things like, you know, like what is God really like? What do I want my kids to really know about God? What do I, you know, like how do I? I I mean, I am just like through and through, like there's something about me um, that is just, I do deep down, like love Christianity. Like I do, I do deep down love Christianity and I want there to be like a safety to it that I think a lot of times we don't, we don't have. And so, um, and then I want to be able to bring that to my kids. So in some way, shape or form, I'd love to be able to do that through writing. hundred percent. I will be in line to get the book. I will do Me the audio book though, because I, I don't <laughs> read well, but I listen well because I'm, I have ADD and literally if I put a book in, I can get so much done because my brain is busy and mm-hmm. then I can do tedious work. It's, it's like That's a win-win. He always has like an AirPod in yeah. his ear and he, and then he just like does, I mean, he gets all the dishes done, everyone's laundry. Like he just, if he has the AirPod in, like watch yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. So if people are listening and they want to get in touch with you or they just kind of want to see what you're up to, how can they find you? Um, I'm mostly like online right now is where you can find me on Instagram. I'm Liz Enns Petters and, um, on Facebook, Liz Enns Petters, the deconstructed mama. Um, I'm on threads, but I'm not on there a ton. Cause I kind of forget about it. But if you like, if you find me on Facebook or Instagram, like that's, that's where that's I'm going to be. I'm in stories. I'm posting things as I'm like in the line trying to drop my kids off at school. Like it's yeah. <laughs> I like never, I never appease the algorithm gods because I'm just like posting whenever, like, I'm just like the worst businesswoman ever. That's why Esther is so helpful for me. Uh, <laughs> no, post this at this time. Like yeah. this is when you do this. I'm just not great at it. Um, and then our, of course our podcast deconstructing mamas, our new season is coming out in March. And so we'll have 13 episodes and um, yeah, really excited about that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It was such a joy just to be in your presence and to hang out with you. And we've enjoyed honoring your journey today. And thank you for sharing. I think uh, you definitely touched some hearts today and I'm sure you'll do it again when you're back on the air doing your podcast in March, which I get to be a part of. I have an episode coming up. I'm so excited. That was really fun. But anyway, yeah, thank you so much. And listen, if you're listening and anything that Liz said touched your heart, I know she would love to know. You can send us an email at honoringthejourneypodcast at gmail.com. We will make sure she gets it because, uh, We all love a little encouragement every now and then. So thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you soon. 
And that's a wrap for another episode of Honoring the Journey. Check out our notes page on the podcast for links and information about our topic today. We'd like to invite you also to join our private Facebook page where we're able to connect with you and share stories. And we also pop on occasionally for special live events and answer your questions there. You can always send us an email as well with questions, show ideas, or just to say hi at honoringthejourneypodcast at gmail.com. Have an awesome day. We look so forward to hanging out with you again right here on Honoring the Journey.